Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Hey, I want you to turn your neighbor and look at them and say, you look like you've been working out. Look at me. Let me just say this. Don't y'all feel better about yourself already this morning? Well, we're just so glad that you're here. Um, Thank you, like Pastor Josh said, thanks for battling the rain. And, you know, uh, last week I talked about a a life of legacy. But today I want to, I'm not going to preach to you, but I believe that God wants to give me an impartation to every one of you. Uh, And it's going to be more of an impartation of what God wants to do in our hearts and in this church. And today, you know, I want to do that. And when you see me stand here, I'm not, it's, it's, there's more than just me. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? When I got saved, I have a guy named Pastor Jacob Aranza that led me to the Lord. So when you see determination in me, that's past, part of Pastor Jacob that is up here standing with me. When you see faith, you see my, my spiritual grandfather, Cletty Keith. That, my God, my God, he just, he, he just called me up, man of God. You know, and he's just, you see, I, that, you see part of him. There's, there's a guy named Winky Prattney that had a great influence on my wife and I and many people. And if you see me be funny or zangy, it's a little bit of Winky. And, you know, if you see me be passionate, you know, it, it may be a little bit of Leonard Ravenhill. There, there's just, when I'm standing up here, and, and you know, when you see someone that's just going to be persistent in prayer and believe God for something, you're going to see my grandmother. And because she just wouldn't quit. And so, you know, all of us have different people that spoke to us in our lives and we walk through life. They may be gone on to be with the Lord, but they still speak to us. How many of you I'm talking about? And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to not just preach to you, but I want to, I, I just, I really feel that it's going to be more of an importation. And so I want to talk to you today is how to leave a legacy. And so what I want to do is, if you would, look at me in, in the gospel of, well, it's not even the gospel, it's just a book of Jude, and it's verse 22. And it's a small verse, and that's where I want to go today. And that's what I want to share with you today. It says, and, and some have compassion making a difference. And see, you know, often I thought, you know, in my own life, can I make a difference? Can I make a difference in this world? You know, if, if I can make a difference in this world, maybe God can help me in his world make a difference. God can use me to make a difference in the world. And, you know, when I, I, you know, I remember just being a young guy, just coming out of Bible college, finishing Bible college. And, and I was actually, it's, Tracy and I were at school. We were actually in our second, our last term in Oklahoma City. And I remember I had an opportunity to do a couple of things. I could go be a youth pastor in Fredericksburg, Texas. I could go come back to work with Pastor Jacob to go to the Philippines and Sweden and England, or I could go and work for work with a ministry that worked all over the, the United States and worked in inner cities all over the world. And I remember just getting this application, and I talked to a wise man. His name was Ed Brewer, and I just said, "Man, I'm just really my my you know my." Pastor Jacob, we actually had a youth revival in Lafayette, and a lot of people were getting saved, going to Bible college, going to ministries, and doing, getting direction for their life. And I was one of those guys, and Pastor Jacob asked me to come back and work with him. And after I got trained, and so I, I'm in the midst of it, and, I, and I'm feeling God's trying to do something in me. You ever feel like God's speaking to you, and you don't, don't know where to go? Don't know what to do? Okay, am I the only one? Okay, donkeys shake their heads, too. Okay, but what happens is 
I get out there, and, and, and I'm in Oklahoma City, and there's a park right across the street where we were at the Wycliffe College uh, facility. And I remember going out into this field, and I had an application. And I just remember throwing it on the ground and go and getting on my knees and said, God, I had this opportunity to do this, to go here, to do this. And I just had that thing and said, but God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I just want to make a difference. I just want to, I know that, that you've called me to go and to reach people and to do, just, God, I want to make a difference. And I remember God began to speak to me. And as he did, he told me to fill out the application. And because my counselor said, if, if Pastor Jacob, if it, he wasn't a pastor, but he's my youth pastor. He said, if Jacob knows that you're hearing from God, he'll let you do what God wants you to do. It was part of my test. And I remember calling him and said, Pastor Jacob, I really feel like God's coming. He said, Bubba, you do what God wants you to do. If you heard from God, I'll never stop you from doing what God wants you to do. And so for eight, eight years, my wife and I actually, we lived, uh, we, I lived in uh, Salvation Army homes. I lived in mission stations, houses. We'd go talk to realtors and work a deal with them. And I mean, just all kinds of, been to almost every major city in the United States, lived in you know, from Los Angeles to San Francisco to Norfolk, Virginia to Atlanta, uh, Georgia, just the inner cities and met people like you would just, you know, people, the forgotten people. And I did that for years and years. And uh, because, you know what, I was just looking for direction. And I, let me just give you a little bit of something that's free. How many of you know that sometimes you can't find direction by yourself? You know, when we came here, it was because Pastor Jacob and Pastor Steve set me down and said, man, we really want to start a, a church in Jennings. And I thought that was a great idea. And they started telling me all the wonderful things could happen in a city like this. And, but they didn't need someone from, from Michigan or Wisconsin or something. They needed somebody that's, that understood this area and spoke, spoke the culture and the language. And I said, that'd be a great thing. And because goes, and you the man. And... Uh, you know, and, and so it's a long story, but I'm not going to get in there, but that's how Tracy and I came. We had four children. Now we have six. And, and so, but I know this, if we want direction, I, I, how many of you want direction sometimes in your life? And so how many of you say, Pastor, I need directions for some things God's speaking to me about. How many of you going, well, this is your message. And you know, I know this, the only way you, you, you get, the only way you get direction is either through tribulation or revelation. Are you hearing me? And most of us have to go through the tribulation to get the revelation what God's telling us to do. Anybody with me? And what happens is sometimes you learn direction through the correction that you go through. And sometimes we don't like correction. And when we don't accept the correction that people want to bring in our lives, we look at it as rejection. Well, they're, they're, they're correcting me, but it's not rejection. It's actually correction. You get you on a course that you need to walk in. And I believe this. If God calls you, he's going to give you compassion for whatever you need. Compassion isn't feeling sorry for somebody. Compassion is doing something about the need that you see and rolling up your sleeves and going to work and and that's how you spell ministry, W-O-R-K, work. Come on. And you begin to minister and you begin to love people for who they are and where their situations are. And you begin to say, God, I need you to help me because I don't know how to do it. And then God will get, help you with your communication skills. Not just preaching, not just teaching, but wherever you go, God will help you with your communication. And then what God will do, like he does on a Sunday morning, when the pastor faces rain on a Sunday morning and half the congregation is gone, God builds character in your life sometimes too. 
Come on. Listen, I know there's empty seats here. Usually every seat's full, but it's raining, and I'm okay with that. Because I remember when I'd show up at the, at, at the Holiday Inn, and there'd be one person. And because they were lost, because there used to be a bar across the thing, and they came in church. I remember when the fire alarm would go off. I'd go, you know, there's a fire. You know, that hell's burning hot. You need Jesus. You know what I mean? I remember all those mornings. I remember those mornings going there and just, they, they didn't even have it set up. And we paid them to set it up. And I have to go set it up. And then it's just, I mean, just stuff. And so if you want to leave a, a, a legacy, I believe this is that first thing, you've got to learn to have a sense of humor. Say me, say humor. If you don't believe that, that people are funny looking, go look in the mirror yourself. When you, when you go through life, can I just tell you some adversity comes and you have to learn to laugh. And sometimes the hardest person to laugh at is you. I've just learned you got to learn to laugh. It pays to have a sense of humor. Come on. I remember one time I was at this large church and we were doing this thing. And Tracy was, we used to travel while we were in this ministry as well. And we had this uh, melodrama. And Tracy was a star. It was called Nathaniel the Grubbler. It was about peer pressure and chase, making choices and stuff. And I was the MC. I'd started off. And Tracy would literally, we, should, we need to do a video one day and show it. She'd go, no, you know. But I mean, she'd do choreography, dancing, singing. I mean, she had the makeup going. I mean, it was like incredible. We traveled and we, we ministered in, in, in the largest churches. We did PTL, 700, all those big ministries back in the day, okay? Back in the 80s. They just... In the 80s. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, we're old, baby. And what happened is, is you know, and it's like I, I just look back at that, but I remember coming up one time, this little girl, and I'm doing an MC, and she comes and brings me a little, a little bubble gum. And I'm like, it's a huge church, like big. And she comes up, and she goes, hi. And I go, hi. And she goes, your name's Bubba? And I go, yeah. She goes, like, hubba, bubba, chewing gum, soft and chewy. You know, and I go, yes. And I just, made, I remember just having moments like that. How many of you ever had just had to learn to laugh at yourself? Come on. Some of you go, I'll never laugh at myself. Well, that's your problem. How many of you have ever done stupid stuff? I remember one time, I got a scar right here because I was trying to clean a gun one time, and I just couldn't get it. And I was like, dang, why don't this thing come off? And I had this little lever, and I went, dang! And I have a scar there to prove, and I had to learn to laugh at myself. That was stupid. The second thing you need, everybody needs to have a compelling dream if you're going to leave a legacy. What do you mean? A dream will lift you out of yourself into something greater than yourself. What do you mean? There are people in this building that have a dream. You have a dream. You'd be willing to give your life for your dream if you were sure it was not your dream, but it was God's dream for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How do you know if it's God's dream? I'm, you know what I love about this church? You guys ask the greatest questions in the world. And so I always want to answer that question. For I believe that if it's got to be bigger than you. I believe it's, it's so big that if, if you... If you pulled it off, everyone would know it was God. Are you hearing me? You know, because you're not all that hot anyway. 
But you know, if, if God pulls it off, he gets the glory instead of you. You know, you know, what, you know what makes me kind of, I think about this sometimes, you know, God wants to have a dream. How about Steven Spielberg? He has a dream to make a movie. He spends $100 million and people go, well, he's, he's making a movie. That's Steven Spielberg. I mean, that's good. How about Jerry Jones? He builds Cowboy Stadium for a billion dollars. Come on. And people go, well, that's Jerry Jones, and he owns the Dallas Cowboys. Boo. Anyway. Just. And if you're a Cowboy fan, my grandfather was. God bless your sweetheart. How about right now in Las Vegas? They're building a $2 billion casino. And we go, well, that's okay. That's what they do in Vegas. But let a man of God get a big dream. And people say, he's crazy and he needs to learn humility. Thanks for all those amens. The pastor who's going to reach, the people who are going to reach, the movers and shakers in a city is going to have to have a dream that's bigger than those people because you, we have a God who can do exceedingly, abundantly, and above what we ask or what we think. It's, it's his, is his dream bigger than you? The next thing you need to know if it's God's dream, you can't let it go. It just won't, it just, see, sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta let go of the dream. You ever been there where you're like, man, I just, you lay it down. But the dream just won't let go of you. You see, I've heard it said, if you can keep a dream for five years, it'll come to pass. But most people can't keep a dream for five years. Why is that? You know why? Because discouragement comes. How many of you have ever been discouraged? You know what discourage means? It means the courage being blown out of you. Or the naysayers come, oh, you? Come on. Come on. You? Ain't no way. Or you got people who go, what? I mean, when we were first starting the church, and I told them how much we were going to spend. I had these guys when we first started, and I go, and I told them how much we were going to spend on the sound system. And they go, oh, we can't do that. That's too much. And I look back and go, boy, if they were around today. Just naysayers. That's too much. We can't spend that. And you know what the big one is? This is the hardest one to deal with. Delay. Things get delayed. Hello. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You see, it will come to pass, the Bible says, if we faint not. We just got to go, God, this is your dream. You put it in my heart. And God, I'm, I'm, I'm just stubborn enough. There's one thing that my mom always told me when I was a little kid. You were a stubborn little, you know, couillon. That's what my Miss Webb used to tell me in fifth grade. I remember I was so stubborn one time. Fifth grade, they took me, and that's when they used to spank you. Remember when? They, and I went to MP Moss, and, the, and, and, and she told me, she says, you're going to learn this poem. And, like, everybody was having to learn this poem. It's about flowers and daisies. And, and I'm like, I ain't learning that poem. That's a sissy poem. The next day, I came, and, and it's, you know, everybody had to get in front of the class and recite the the, the poem, because they weren't worried about your self-esteem back then. You just had to do it. Come on, are you hearing me? 
And, I, and it gets to me, you know, it goes, my real name's Howard. So back then they go me, Howard McCann, Howard, it's your turn. And I'm like, Howard, did you learn the poem? It's a sissy poem. I didn't want to learn it. Oh, it's a sissy poem, huh? Okay. She got the vice principal. He took me to the teacher's lounge, took his belt off, and whipped my butt. And sent me back to the class, and I was still doing this. <laughs> I mean, you know. And he charged me to learn the poem. The next day, I knew about daisies, flowers, and everything. You can't think. Sometimes... The reason God made you the way you are, he wants to redeem those gifts and that call in your life that you have. It's okay to be stubborn, but if you're stubborn for Jesus, are you hearing me? It's okay to be imaginative and and, and do great things and be a part of art because God wants to use your imagination to do things. Amen? Amen. See, the third thing is you got to make every day a masterpiece. John Wooden, the great NCAA, he was an NCAA. UCLA basketball coach, won 10 national champions in a row, won more, more uh, college games than any coach in history. He had the record. When he was a boy, his dad would say this. He said, son, you have to approach every day like it's a blank canvas and make a masterpiece. You see, we need to approach every day like it's a new day. It's God's masterpiece. See, I've learned this. If I'm looking down... I'm not going to see what God wants me to see because I need to be looking up because God's looking down to help me. And you, no matter what we go through, no matter what we face, God is there to help us. So quit having the mully grubs. Quit being a mope because then when you become a mope, you just become a dope to everybody else. That might rhyme. Become a mope. You need hope. So don't do dope. Anyway, just in it. I don't know. Because, see, the next thing I've learned, you got to learn to enjoy the trip. But joy is not the destination. It's in the climbing. What do you mean? You know, when I have my third son, Matt, he built, if any of you have been in my backyard, you've seen the tree. How have you been in my backyard? You've seen that tree house that was there. And it's like way up. I mean, like how many feet? 60, 70, 80 feet, whatever. Up there. He had, Matt, I mean, it's up. Especially you drive by my house, just look in the backyard. There's still a little perch way up at the top. And when they were building that, you know, what they would do is Matt and Mackenzie, as Dana and David's son, they were like best friends during that time. And what they would do is they, they didn't have like boards to get to the, per, the first perch they made. They have these knots on my tree because it had some kind of disease in this water oak or whatever. But it's kind of cool. And they liked the rock climb. So it was like rocks. And they would climb. And they would get up there and they'd do it. And then they started going higher. And then my, and Tracy would go like, y'all get down. And I remember coming home one day. She goes, Bubba, tell them to get down. If they fall, they're going to die. Okay, that's their mother. You know what I mean? And so I go out there, hey. Tie a rope around your waist. You have a good time. (laughs) Hey, that's pretty cool. See, I just want to say this. You got to learn to enjoy the church. See, revival, real revival, God's revival is no fun. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? When God sends revival, it cuts, it convicts, and it changes and exposes hearts, motives, The joy of revival is the preparation for revival. 
What do you mean? The prayer, the fasting, the fellowship, knowing God, getting close to God. Are y'all with me? You got to learn. You got to learn that this life, you got to have joy and fun on the trip. Amen? You know, I've learned to make, I've had to make up my mind, you know, that I want to spend time with people that have joy in their life and not like mully grubs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I really, can I be honest with you? I don't like hanging around people that go, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Look, if I'm having a rough day, I'll just say, hey, how's it going? Good? Okay. But let me just tell you. You understand me? Because most of the time, you come to church even. Don't we put that little mask on? How's it going? Oh, wonderful. <laughs> but we saw you in the parking lot before you saw Pastor Josh walk by, and y'all were arguing. And, oh, this Pastor Josh. I, hey, hey, Pastor Josh. It's like a miracle happens. Transformation takes place. I've also learned if you want to leave a legacy, whatever you want out of life, you got to learn to give it away. What do you mean? I mean, you know, if you want joy, you might have to spread some joy around. If you want peace, you got to give peace. How many, you know, if you want money, be generous with what God's giving you and he'll give you more. If you want friends, you got to show yourself friendly. You don't make friends go, how's it going? Mm. You're not going to make friends that way. You see, I heard of a lady, she's going to a, a pastor and she's sitting in his office and he's trying to counsel her and she goes, Pastor, I think I'm in the middle of a nervous breakdown. He goes, really? She goes, yeah, I'm in it. And she's like, what do I do? He looked at her and he goes, go bake some cookies. She goes, What? Bake cookies. I came in. I'm about to have a nurse breakdown, and you want me to break cookies? You can see, I want you to bake cookies, and then I want you to take it to the convalescent home, and I want you to give those cookies away. She goes, ah. She stormed out of his office. I'm not making cookie cookies. He's an idiot. He's crazy. I'm having a nervous breakdown, and he wants me to make cookies. <laughs> and for a couple of weeks, he'd see her, and he'd, he'd go, and he goes, hey. And she'd go, mm. <laughs> She'd walk off. And then one day he's saying, he's, he comes around the corner and he bumps into her. And he, go, and he goes, and she goes, oh, oh. And he goes, hey, how's that nervous breakdown going for you? She goes, I canceled it. He goes, what do you mean you canceled it? She goes, I made cookies. I've learned this. No one has a right to live in self-pity when there's so much hurt in this world. Can I say that again? Nobody has the right to live in self-pity when there's so much hurt in this world. The happiest people in this building are the people who live their lives for others. Thanks for all those claps. 
I'm telling you, the, the, joy, the most joyful people in this house right now are the people that are doing something and trying to bless others, seeing someone walk in the church, picking them up, helping them out, just showing up, whatever they need. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? Whatever the need is. You see a need and you meet the need. See, I've learned this. I don't have to impress anybody with a vision. If God has something for you, he's just going to work. How many of you ever saw that movie called The Bucket List? You know, it's actually a pretty good movie. It's two guys. They're laying down. They both have cancer, and they got about a year left. And there's one guy, and he's poor, doesn't have any money, so he makes a list. And he goes, and he's making this list, and he throws it on the ground, and he's just kind of disgusted where everything's going. And and the other guy that's rich has everything. He picks it up. He starts reading it and he goes, jump out of an airplane. He goes, climb the Himalayas, kiss the prettiest girl in the world. He's, they're doing all these things, you know, and he's like, and he goes, what, what is this all about? And he goes, well, I just, just wanted to do it, but I don't have any. He goes, I got all the money we want. I got a private jet. So the whole movie's about them going out and they're checking off their jump out of a plane. They climb the Himalayas. Are you hearing me? They find the prettiest girl in the world and they kiss her. See, the question is, what if someone gave you a bucket list and said, you can do anything you want, go anywhere in, your, in the world, and this is what I want you to do. What would you do? First of all, I know this. I ain't jumping out of the plane because the Bible says it's low. I'm with you always. Okay? Second of all, I don't need to climb no mountains. And I've already kissed the prettiest girl in the world. And if I kiss another girl, my wife will kill me. You know, I've learned, even if I had a bucket list, I'd still be doing the same thing I'm doing. Reaching people and seeing lives being built. The sixth thing, if you want to leave a legacy, you got to enlarge your circle of love. What do you mean, Pastor? Anybody that I shut out of my circle of love will hurt me. Anybody I include in my circle of love will never hurt me. Aren't you glad that God invited you and I in his circle of love? Huh? I think about the little girl that has an unwanted pregnancy. And she's at the point where she goes, I just have to terminate this. And, and yet inside, she really doesn't want to. But she doesn't know where to go, doesn't know what to do. I've learned this. I learned about this in, in politics. And when you see all this stuff, I've learned this. How can we invite people in our circle of love that may be different? the way we think. I believe that we need to get God's heart and God's mind. The seventh thing is never catch up. You know what? Never catch up. Never catch up with your dream. What do you mean? There's two things. I, if I could do different in my life, there'd be these two things. First of all, I dream bigger dreams. And second of all, I take bigger risk. I just would. You know, what do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Bigger dreams. I mean, I believe there are things that I think that are bigger. 
that we could do. That doesn't discourage me. That doesn't stop me. I just got to live the dream God's given me. Amen? You need to live the dream God's given you. And I believe this. Here's, here's another one. You got to learn to do the unusual. I just know this. God only moves supernaturally when you and I do the unusual. What do you mean? God moves when you do the unusual. You remember the, little, remember the lady that was caught in the middle of adultery? They put her out in the middle. Now, the Bible says they caught her in the very act of adultery, and they put her, I'm thinking, where was the man in all that? In the middle of it? Where was he? But the, the wild thing is, here she is, and a 30-something-year-old guy comes, and she's in the middle, and they all got rocks, and they're fixing to stone her. Not, stone her doesn't mean they're going to pass a joint around and go, let's get stoned. Real rocks. Okay, that's what they do if you caught in adultery. They stone you or an act of rebellion or whatever. And this 30-something-year-old guy comes and he just starts writing on the ground. Some theologians say, I don't know, I've never, it's never been proven. Some theologians say that Jesus was probably writing down every sin that all these guys that had the stones had in their own lives. I don't know. That's just what's been said. No one's proven that. But he's in there writing on the ground, and he's writing on the ground, and priests, and it's religious people give the most problems most of the time. And they go, what do you have to say about this girl? And he's, he just keeps writing, and he goes, and he looks up. He's, he's writing, you know, he looks up, he goes, he without sin, you cast the first stone. And after they leave one by one, silently, filled with shame, he comes to the girl. He does unusual. He goes, where are your accusers? He looks at her and he goes, she goes, they're gone. He said, you go and sin no more. How about when someone's in poverty or they have a need? I remember my wife calling me one day, and she goes, baby, I found this lady. She, she needs some food. She goes, she turned around and went and got her, bought her McDonald's, just ministered to her, went back. What happens when you see someone in poverty, and you do the unusual, and you feed them? How about the man that was blind? In the Bible. Remember that one? Jesus comes and they come and they bring this blind man to him. And they say that people that have blind eyes, their eyes are very sensitive. So what does Jesus do? He gets up and he finds some mud. And he goes, maybe he did. I don't know. He's Cajun, he would have. First he got the dip. No, I'm just talking about. He mixed it with his finger, and he comes up, and he puts, he goes, come here, buddy. Wow. All right. You got mud in your eyes? Yeah. Go wash them. Okay. 
find a place. I mean, you're blind. How do you find a place to wash? Someone led him. Some of us need to be led by other people. Come on. You can't do things by yourself. Some of you got married because you were blind. Anyway, they say, you know, love blinds you. It's true. And he goes, he finds a place, and he begins to. Have you ever got something in your eye, in the irritation? I mean, come on. I mean, and then you got something. And remember when he said, trees are walking. How about when a flood hits a city? And we stand up here and say, we ain't having church. We're going to go be the church. When you do the unusual, God does the extraordinary. I like the one where... Jesus, they have a guy that stutters. I used to have a friend in second grade. His dad was Judge Watkins in Lake Charles. I went to EDS. And his son, the name was Alan. He was one of my best friends. And they were rich, and I liked going to his house because we could get anything we wanted. And I remember one day, I mean, in school, when he would talk, he'd go, and he'd have to miss. He'd have to hit his desk. I don't know why. And he'd stop his stuttering. And this guy comes to Jesus one and he's stuttering. What do you want? You know what Jesus does? A little dabba, do you? He just goes, Come here, take out that tongue. My leg fingers on it. You know, he's he, 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 gone. You know why Jesus healed people different ways? Because we'd make a memorial. We'd have a mud pit up here. We'd have saliva services. So I ain't going to let Pastor Bubba pray for me. One of the most unusual things God did in the Bible, I want you to show you right here. Well, not what God did, but what someone did toward God was in 1 Kings chapter 3. And it was actually King Solomon. And it's something unusual that God did. Because this king, Solomon, did something very unusual. See, what happened is if you had a sin or you brought a sin offering or a sacrifice, you'd bring a sheep, a goat, or a turtle dove... And you would have, you'd bring it before the priest, confess your sin. They bring it to the altar and they sprinkle that blood or use that blood as an atonement that that blood would wash you of your sin. And so Solomon loved the Lord and it says, and he followed all the decrees of his father, David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burnt, and burnt incense at local places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was in Gibeon. So the king went there and he sacrificed. Look what he says. How many? Not one. How many? 
a thousand burnt offerings. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. See, the norm was one burnt offering, but Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings. Usually God tells you what he wants you to do for him. Amen? But when you do the unusual, God told them to ask him what he could do for them. See, when you do and I do the unusual sacrifice, God does the extraordinary. Two years later, look what happens. Are y'all with me? Okay. Two years later, just five chapters down. Then the king, chapter 8, verse 30, uh, 62 and 63. Then the king of all of Israel were uh, with him, offered sacrifices to the Lord. Now what they're doing is they're dedicating the temple or the house of God, which was their church in Jerusalem. If you go to Jerusalem, they, they just had the foundation laid. And you've seen the, the, the wailing wall is like the wall left of that temple. And they're there, and they're about to dedicate this temple. And Solomon offered to the Lord a peace offering of how many cattle? How many of that's a lot of cows? That's like calling your friends from Johnson Bayou. Bring your cows, too. And 120,000 sheep and goats. And so the king and all the people of Israel dedicated the temple of the Lord. They made 144 sacrifices. And see, last week I talked to you about a legacy. And I challenge you, Pastor Joshua, I challenge you just to pray on December next weekend. That you would pray this week and say, God, what can we do for reach? What, what do you want me to do for reach for an offering that we can do? There would be a sacrifice. I'm not asking you. I'm not going to tell you a sad story. I'm going to make you all these false promises. But I want you to ask God. Is that all right? What you can do. Because well, can I just tell you something? Let me just look at me. As we started reach, let me just back it up a little bit. We've given $200,000 to our Crowley campus to start. They've started. They're averaging close to 200 people a week. Okay? That's two years ago. Our Eunice campus has raised money, and we've given them money. And they've, I don't know how much they've spent somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, between, uh, I think it's forty dollars to $50,000 I, I could give. And then we've also started on this building right here. It's our children's building. But can I just tell you a story this week? This week... Because I believe this, is when you do what you can do, God does the unusual. When we went and ministered to people in the storm, God began, God knew our heart. It was like a delay for this getting started. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In the middle of that, I had a call a couple weeks ago and said, hey, we, uh, Pastor Bubba from somebody here in the church, so there's, some, there's, there's this thing that if you want to get this money, this is what can happen and we, you can get $55,000 said, let's make it happen. We got $55,000. And while we've been ministering this message, God began to speak to someone. And they felt in their heart it was the right time, what Pastor Josh had said and what I had said. And they gave a gift of $30,000. So in the last month of 
November, we've received over 85000 plus what other people have been giving for the building and for other things within the church to do outreach. Are you hearing me? If you, I believe this, if you can do what, what God tells you to do, not what someone, not a sad story, not a, a video of a little malnutritious little baby, you know, holding, you know, a rice bowl and go, you know, he's going to die if you don't feed him. It's not about that. It's, it's something you plan. You, you, when you give the unusual sacrifice, I believe this, God shows up. You believe that? Here's the last one, and then I'm done. You need a vision. All of us need a vision of the finish line. You know, Peter, Peter saw Jesus dying on the cross. Peter had visions of Jesus establishing his kingdom here on earth. Now, Peter sees Jesus dying, and his dream is being shattered Right there in front of his eyes. So what does he do? Peter only, the only thing Peter knows how to do is he goes back to fishing. I believe there's people in this, in this building. Look at me. I want to talk to you. I believe there's people here in this, this morning in this building who had a dream, but that dream has been shattered like glass. It's been a dream for your marriage, a dream for your children. It's been a dream for circumstances and situations that take place. And you feel like, you know, it's, my dream's dead. Are you hearing me? What do you do to live? See, I believe this. There's some of you just, Pastor Bubba, what do you do, Pastor Bubba, when you're living in despair? And everything around you seems to be shattered. Everything seems to be falling apart. What do you do? I love that you ask good questions. You know what you do? You do what God wants you to do. Just do it. Yeah, I talked about delay. I I mean, when we first got this place, when we got the building, we got the land and everything, we paid cash for it. It was a miracle. It was a full-on miracle. I remember they're going to bring the metal and the wood and everything. It wasn't metal, it was wood. We were going to close off the garage doors, and that's where we are going to have church. And I mean, I was so excited. I actually spent the night because they delivered the wood, and there was no one here to protect the wood. I don't know what, we had gates and locks, but I felt like I had to be here because I had a dream. You know what I'm saying? So I spent the night. I felt like I was brave, protecting the wood. And the nails and the screws. Remember when we started building that where the foyer is, and that was going to be the next church. And man, we were so excited, and we were going to buy two and a half acres, and we had challenges. And in those challenges, that there came to be like people tried to discourage, and situations tried to discourage. But I remember we. We just say, hey, we're just not going to give up. Pastor Josh used to do Friday Night Lives after the football games. We need to have like, like three to 800 kids a weekend come here. I mean, they're around. I remember, I remember they would be like, this used to be behind that building. So sometimes we catch people going. 
And some of, that might have been some of you, but anyway. And just get people here. And we just kept doing it. And we had a Macedonian call to go to Eunice. And we started the Eunice campus. And we were going to build a new building here. And we pushed all our chips to the middle of the table. And we go, we got to buy that property in Eunice and start a church there. And Pastor Jamie's over there. Then God began to speak to us about Crowley. We went there. I'd love to tell you we've always had everything we needed when we were going to do it. But I've learned this. If you make a step to do what God wants you to do, God God will always step up and step into your step and bring the provision whatever you need. Amen? There's been times, you've heard me share, so I had cancer, try to discourage me in my dream, situations with different things and people, try to discourage a dream, what God wants to do. Listen to me. There's some of you, you've had things, and you pastor, you don't know. I've been holding on to this dream for five years and longer. Look at me. Hold on, baby. My English teacher, Miss Young at Cathedral Carmel, sixth grade, she used to have that cat that was hanging and said, hang in there, baby. Remember that old poster? No, maybe y'all don't. Some of you go, I'm too young for that, Pastor Brother. Some of us just need to hang in. Because see, I know that sometimes, I, I just want to pray for you. I want to, I want you, how many of you say, Pastor Bubba, I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave a legacy. Three people. How many of you say, I want to leave a legacy. How many of you say, Pastor Bubba, I've had some struggles, I've had some things, and sometimes I've just given up on the dream. Can I pray for you this morning? I want to pray that God would infuse his courage and his super. But see, you got to be willing to do the unusual. You got to be willing to laugh through it sometimes. Hello? Are you you hearing me? Let's pray. Father, just lift your hands to heaven. Everybody in this place. Everybody, both hands. I've never seen anybody have two questions at one time in church. But I've seen people that need to surrender. And lift your hands just as a sign of surrender. Father, right now, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, you know what that dream really is. For some, it's their marriage. For some, it's their children. For some, it's their businesses. Some, it's employment. Some of it's just a job. For some, you spoke to them about ministering and doing things to help people. Whatever that dream is, I pray that right now, in Jesus' name, I come, against, I, I come against every assignment the enemy would have upon their minds and upon their hearts to bring discouragement. I pray that this morning that you would pour your courage into every one of us to trust you, to believe you. Father, what seems impossible, that you would make possible. Now, Father, breathe once again. Make that dream come alive. Let us hold. Let's not let get caught up in delay. Let's not get caught up in whatever God uh, discouraging things or people have said. I pray that God that you would come and you would touch hearts. Father, I pray for those that just have a they say I want a deeper walk with you. I pray that they would just begin to allow you to come to minister to them. I pray they would open up their hearts and their lives to people around them because look at me. I want to tell you something. 
You can't make it in this life by yourself. I have a guy came to me Thursday night. And he looked at me. This is what he said. He said, and I'll say, he says, whatever Billy Knight has in him, Pastor Bubba, give it to me. And I began to share with him. And then he called Billy and Billy preached to him all night anyway. But the one thing he said, you can never make it by yourself. And Billy said, I didn't make, Pastor B helped me, Pastor, Pastor Josh helped me, other people. But I, it wasn't, I, was, I couldn't do it by myself. Listen to me, a dream never happens by itself. You ever heard that self-made man thing? She's just a self-made woman. He's a self-made man. Listen, no one in here is a self-made anything. Because I got a whole, I'm like the Verizon commercial. The old one goes, hey, the network got me where I'm at. Because when I get to heaven, it ain't me by myself. There was people there kicking my butt to get me there. Hello? In order for us to leave a legacy, you got to keep your eyes on the finish line. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. And the Bible says he who begins a good work in us is able to complete that on what she began. Amen.